0: Okay, so full disclaimer, Lance, we're recording, so don't use any bad words or anything. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get to, to Lance, let me um, go through uh, two <clears throat> our last two spiritual gifts. Um, uh, let's see, I guess two weeks ago we talked about prophecy, and um, I kind of got wound up in that, and so ended up spending the whole time <laughs> talking about prophecy. So this week we're going to real quickly talk about wisdom and discernment which are closely related, but um, a little bit different. So um, wisdom can be described as the God-given ability to apply spiritual truth effectively to meet a need in a a specific situation. And I think all of this hinges on that word apply. So, you know, when you think about wisdom, you typically think of um, just smarts, right? Being able to... um, To master a a craft or to do well on on a test, Um, you might think about some of these these folks. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, right, who teaches Danielson the art of karate. Uh, But you know, always has the the wisdom to kind of see what's coming and and impart that wisdom to Daniel. Uh, Gandalf is always you know leading the the fellowship as they journey across Middle Earth to. find the ring or whatever whatever mission they're on, but Gandalf always has the wisdom necessary to lead the group in the right way. And then uh, we can't, out of the Holy Trinity, we can't forget Yoda, Miyagi, Gandalf, and Yoda, I don't know, really, I just made up the Trinity part, but, um, but Yoda, you know, always has words of wisdom, though they may not come in the correct order. Always has great words of wisdom. So much so that, you know, Yoda expressions are like on T-shirts and bumper stickers and like people really subscribe to the wisdom of Yoda. But even uh, those three uh, characters, even though they have some great wisdom in their movie plots, um, that's definitely different than being able to analyze um, a situation, especially in a spiritual context, in a church context. Um, and then lean on what you understand about Scripture and about what God is, just the nature of God and what God is doing in a general circumstance, and then being able to kind of craft a way forward. <clears throat> that, <clears throat> to me, that seems like <clears throat> excuse me, the, the deep ways of wisdom, being able to apply that spiritual truth in a, in a situation. So let's look at um, a little bit of Scripture here. If you'll turn to uh, James chapter 3. <clears throat> and if somebody has that, three, uh, 13 through 18, if you would read that, that would be wonderful.
1: Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility. It comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness.
0: Okay, so my question then is, how how do we gauge wisdom in others? How do we recognize that? Um, you know, if you're having a, a situation and you're seeking advice, you may get lots of different inputs. And so, how, what by what criteria do we discern what good wisdom is? And you can, you can kind of rely on this text here to, to help you identify that. But what are, what are the fruits of wisdom?
2: That's what we say. You look at the fruits of their life. Okay. And it says a good life.
0: Yeah, right. So, um, so a couple things there. You're looking for a good life. Um, so, of course, you have to judge what good is. That could be subjective. Right. But I would say at a minimum... You have to be able to measure, or be able to have a a data set of what their life is, and so I I just think there's something to be said for time, like for for age. Um, You know, it's uh, John has experienced more in life than I have, and so he has greater wisdom uh, about many things than I do, just because I haven't experienced it. So he's you know further along that road than I am. And so it's pretty natural for me to kind of look to John and say, what? and he has lived a good life and is living a, a good life, so it's, it makes sense for me to rely on people like John to say, I, I need some wisdom here. That doesn't necessarily mean he's smarter than I am. I want to make sure I clarify that. <laughs> Not by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but you see, you see why, my point. Uh, people who have experienced life and are living a good life, that, that's the kind of wisdom that we need to look to. Any other thoughts about James? I also want to look at 1 Kings real quick, so if you'll turn over to 1 Kings. This was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. I think probably just because it's a little bit gruesome. But um, I was always like, wow, that was genius. Um, uh Uh-oh, that just crashed. See, if you have a paper Bible, it doesn't ever just close on you. Um, Okay, this is that classic story with King Solomon who's um, trying to figure out what to do with this baby that two women are claiming. Okay, I'll read this. Uh, Now two prostitutes came to the king. Uh, By the way, I think we left that part out when I learned this story as a kid. I just thought it was two women. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever noticed that. Uh, Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while uh, I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the, the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, uh, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. And so, um, you know, obviously Solomon is able to kind of uh, reason his way through this. And we can we kind of look at this as a classic story of, of wisdom. But I think uh, going back to the definition, the root of Solomon's wisdom isn't that the Lord uh, made him wise in the ways of the world. The root is he was able to apply that kind of wisdom uh, to all these situations that was coming before him as king and judge. So um, I, I thought that was
2: worth, worth looking at. Um, any comments about that? I, I do think that's a good ear, earmark of wisdom that you'll see in people is that people who are wise tend to often be able to speak um, creative solutions into problem areas okay. where some people may tend to think, kind of make reactionary react, react decisions or to see things in black and white. Okay. Someone who's wise can come in and see a lot of different angles of something kind of looking right. from perspective goes well maybe we should try this or maybe right. you should try this or maybe if we you know really can help kind of balance all of the different you know principles and, and, and interests that are at play and find a solution like this where it's like oh wow like that's an interesting way to look at it um, and to kind of use Solomon as an example and point this against what we were talking about in James I do think it's a point to point out that people with the gift of wisdom I think don't necessarily always demonstrate that in a Sometimes that gift can be very useful, in speaking truth into other people's lives, but they can be clouded in their own. So you someone like mm-hmm. Salma, who actually made some very poor decisions in his life um, right. that we see uh, in how he lived his life in ways that wasn't pleasing to God. So wisdom isn't everything. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I
0: wonder, I wonder why that is. I wonder if in our own lives we're just too kind of emotionally attached or too so, clouded by things, and and so if I look into your life, I can be pretty objective and tell you you good things to do, but if I look at my life, sometimes I might think, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Thanks, good point. Okay, let's, uh, we'll move past Ecclesiastes, but good wisdom there, too. So uh, in, in the church, you know, kind of a daily application of this gift, people with this gift like to focus on the unseen consequences and determining the next steps to take. So, you know, kind of being able to problem solve, figure out, okay, this is the scenario we're in, and, and here's a way forward. especially like what you're describing, of not just a black and white issue, but maybe there's a third way that, that we can move forward in. Um, provide God-given solutions in the midst of conflict and confusion. Being able to not only find the way forward, but do so um, without offending others and bringing people along. And applying spiritual truth in specific and practical ways, which we kind of said that. Um Okay, and then uh, potential ways to use this, this gift uh, to be a member of a decision-making board or committee, which is um, what, what Lance's role is at the, on the MCC. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, maybe perhaps being, ca- being a counselor, a, one who mentors, being a coach, and a, a spiritual advisor. So, um, and then I have a discussion question here, but we're going to keep moving. I've already talked about John's wisdom, so I feel like that's... That was a short discussion. <laughs> okay, let's let's look at discernment real quickly. Uh, discernment is the God-given ability to distinguish between truth and error. It's being able to discern the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and deception. Um, and not only those two uh, polarities in each of those descriptions, but also... Being able to, to find your way in shades of gray, which is you know how how things actually play out. Uh, we won't read these texts. We just read James three. Uh, it applies here as well. But in Acts chapter fifteen, um, if you remember, this is the the Jerusalem Council story, and so the church, you know, in Acts is just just beginning, and they're trying to figure out ways. the The biggest problem in the in the church then is trying to figure out how to reconcile Jews and Gentiles. So you've got Jews that are um, you know not necessarily I don't think they thought they were leaving Judaism to enter into Christianity they were just interested in following this guy Jesus who who seemed to be the Messiah and then you have Gentiles who obviously were not uh, Jews at all but are also interested in following Jesus and so two completely different cultures um, trying to merge into one group of people to follow Jesus which looks like a church well you can imagine there's all kinds of issues that come out of that Uh, The biggest issue that's discussed in Acts 15 is uh, the issue of circumcision. And so uh, the Jews are, uh, at least some of the Jews are thinking they need to bind that on the Gentiles. Uh, Obviously, the Gentiles are saying, no, we don't want to do that. And so they're trying to figure out how can we be a church uh, without this marker. And so um, they eventually move forward and decide uh, not to make it difficult on anyone to follow Jesus. And so they let anybody in. But the point of that is not the decision they arrive to, it's the process. So they gather all these people in, in Jerusalem, they have this council, they have different people speak, they listen to one another, uh, and at the end of the day, they make their decision. But what I love about that discernment process is how communal it is. It's not just Peter standing up and saying, this, this is what we're going to do. Um, he, he does stand up and, and speaks, but he's listening to everybody and they, they build a consensus they're able to discern what what God is, is trying to do amongst them, and um, be they're able to implement that. So, I think I think in discernment the key is always process. How, how, who are you listening to? Who are you? Uh, what opinions are you garnering? And so, people with this gift like to identify deception in others with accuracy and appropriateness. So you can identify that that truth. Um, you can sense the presence of ungodly forces. Uh, you can recognize inconsistencies in a biblical teaching or message So you're always kind of listening for, for, for truth and others. Um, and then specifically, uh, potential ways to use the gift of discernment uh, to be, again, to be a member of a decision-making team, committee, or board, uh, to be part of the church leadership, to be a counselor, one who advises those who makes ministry decisions. Um, okay, and then I'm going to finish with a short little video clip, and then and then we'll talk to Lance and see how his wisdom and discernment plays out in the MCC. Uh, this is from uh, Evan Almighty, I think is the big So, you're really him, aren't you? You want more proof? This is based
2: I on a no story. story. That's all right, I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. Huh? So do I. I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You would do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do (laughs) it because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building and art thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. (laughs) What?
1: Your (laughs) plans.
2: What are you
0: talking I'm, We're talking about an arc, right? I mean, an arc? An arc is huge. I don't even
2: know where I would begin. Al, well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random
1: kindness at a time.
2: I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell oh. them. Flood's coming. Oh, and, uh, you might need this. Okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood. Um, okay, you know, that's just cruel. Um, do you see him? I
0: don't see him. So, um, you know, discerning the will of God would be so much easier if we could just have a conversation. <laughs> but that's that's not the way it works. Um, so listening for God's will, uh, I believe, takes community. Um, if I'm if I'm isolated and trying to discern God's will, oftentimes the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like my voice. And so the only way to figure out what the truth is, is to have others in that conversation, have the wisdom and discernment of others. And so um, at Otter Creek, we have the ministry coordinating committee that uh, does a lot of that discernment and tries to figure out uh, where we're going in ministry. And many times it's not choosing between you know two options and one is good and one is bad and you have to identify the bad one. A lot of times it's both of these things are good. What you know? How are we gonna do both or which one are we gonna... Gravitate towards. So, Lance, would you come and talk to us a little bit about that? <coughs> um, tell us, first of all, maybe just kind of introduce yourself, your your family, and how long you've been at Otter Creek and your, your role on the MCC. I'm Lance Brock. I've been at Otter Creek for 17 years. A long
3: time. My wife's Carrie. Her parents are Doug and Dan Smith. Most people, that's kind of my claim to fame here. <laughs> Related to Dugganan now, um, yeah, we have
0: four kids, 11, eight, six, and five kids, good stuff. All right, so your role on the MCC is the chair. I'm correct? The, chair. Yeah, the chairman this year. All right, what what all does that in, entail? Or I guess, so two things, tell us what the role of the MCC is and then specifically what does what the chair do? You... Uh, the role of the MCC is
3: uh, partially to manage the budget Um, The shepherds, I don't know if you guys were all in this thing last week where the shepherds talked about what they did. Um, They do uh, a lot of theological stuff, a lot of pastoral, and then they also have governance where they do some administration, but we do kind of the bulk of that, in particular with the the budget, Um, a lot of the day-to-day things. And so the MCC is um, Otter Creek's version of deacons. um, And in a church this size, uh, you, deacons used to mow the grass and unlock the doors and turn on the lights and all that, and church this that size. That's not what deacons do. So we're essentially kind of um, a large church's version of deacons. and um, We're a little different than deacons, in, you know, in the historical sense, at least from my experience because um, we, have, we have women and <coughs> single people and divorce and whatever. Like it, we're pretty representative of the church, so I think another way to look at it would be the MCC is... Um, Kind of a representative body of the church who are already involved in ministries, ministry leaders, um, and then you just kind of take on a little bigger role to um, advocate for those ministries, kind of report on what's going on with those ministries, and then tied to that is, is the budget and working with the staff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does
0: that sound right? Yeah, that sounds is that right. good enough? You. Yeah. <laughs> and then as the chair, you're just kind of making sure, I mean, not only do you run the meetings, but you're also kind of setting the agenda, keeping right. keep folks on task? And we, have, we have several committees. We have an
3: um, Adult and Spiritual Outreach Committee. We have a Children and Youth Committee. We have a um, Missions Committee. And then we have um, the Finance Administrative Building Committee, the FAB Committee, as we've named ourselves. So those four committees all work, and then we have an executive committee that's made up of those chairs. And so um, we do a lot of work through the committees, and then we meet as a full MCC. And then about half and half, half in
0: the small committees, and half in the uh, full body. And yeah, that's kind of kind of weird, ass. Yeah. So I would ask you. Maybe like what's the worst thing you've experienced on the FCC, but there probably hasn't been anything bad. So I'll just flip that coin <laughs> and um, tell us a little bit about like maybe the biggest win you've experienced, or just the the thing that you've seen that, that you're just like yes, this is this is this is why we exist as a as a team. Kind of share a a winning story. Winning story.
3: Well. Let's say well, so I'm heavily involved in the administrative stuff, um, and so from from the things that I've been involved in, um, some accomplishments are uh, moving to this structure with the committees. That was partially my idea. And Paulette Fuel and I, she was the previous chair. We kind of worked on <laughs> setting these committees up. And and that, I know this is going to sound. I mean, you know, when you look at all the spiritual gifts, uh, you know I'm I've always joked that I'm not. I'm not gifted in like theology and pastoral and all that stuff. I'm kind of like a blue collar Christian. Like if you need something heavy picked up, call me. Like I have a spiritual gift in like carrying couches or something, right? Um, but similarly administrative. Like I love like spreadsheets and organization and all that. So to me, that I, we started changing to this committee structure so that people who are involved in the MCC felt plugged in faster they felt like they were uh, more effective in this body, in, in this role, because to me, it was disappointing to see people kind of come through the MCC and um, not feel like it was time well spent. Mm-hmm. As everyone's busy and, and everyone has a lot to do, and we want people to feel like they made a difference in the kingdom in this time they spend on the MCC. So to me, that was, that's was that been a win to hear yeah. people say, hey, this, I feel like I'm more effective, I feel more plugged in, all that, so that's a win. On, on. Yeah. and. Specifically, in that finance administrative building, we we did the building process and came through, um, and and even got a a a refund back from the contractor. Have been able to do a lot more with the money that we had set aside than we ever thought we could. Um, So, you know, that's not a um, we didn't we didn't save a bunch of people or drill a bunch of wells in Africa, you know, like, but we were able to manage God's money
0: well so to me that was yeah absolutely and i know in years past people that have been on the mcc that they serve most times they serve a three-year term and i know some people have kind of shared the experience of you know it seemed like the first two years i just kind of was trying to figure out what i was supposed to do and then the third year i was able to do a little bit and then i rolled off yeah and so you know you're talking about getting people up to speed faster and getting them plugged into roles and i mean i've i've already seen that that's a, a big difference already, just as far as engagement from the, the people that are serving. Well, on that there. staff, your perspective on that's probably even better than mine because
3: um, I, I have, and I've heard that, you know, but the way we selected people this year for the nomination was people that were already very active in, mm-hmm. in different ministries, and, you know, then,
0: then they're going to come on and they're already familiar with the ministry, ministry leaders, and the staff, and that's what we want. Yeah, right. And, and the other yeah. valuable thing uh, with the, the structure that Lance implemented. Because they're in subcommittees, those subcommittees kind of line up with, you know, various ministries of the church. And so, uh, like the Adult Spiritual Formation subcommittee of the MCC, I get to meet with that group along with, uh, like, Randy and uh, Patrick. Um, and so we, it, it's just a way to have more overlap, whereas before it was just kind of MCC and staff, and we were able to, you know, communicate via email. But now there's just a lot more integration, and uh, it just works a little bit smoothly. And it seemed like before the main point of communication between the MCC
3: and mm-hmm. the staff or ministry leaders was about the budget right. and I feel like that was really unfortunate mm-hmm. to, f- to feel like um, our main role was to tell you how much money you did or did not have. Right. And that, nobody wants to sign up
0: for that, like, yeah. like being someone's dad again or something Right. Like, yeah. A it's a chore. right. Yeah. yeah. Well tell us a little bit about um, what you do professionally and the skill set that you employ there and whether or not that skill set overlaps into your role at MCC. Yeah, uh, so we own a couple of rock climbing gyms, Climb National, we've been doing that for
3: 13, almost 14 years. Um, and I was an architect before that, but um, even in architecture and with the climbing gym, like I always love problem solving. That's architecture is really a degree in problem solving. Um, and so, I love the organizational thing, and it's funny, like you know, look at that wisdom and discernment. Like a, a bunch of those things don't apply to me at all, but kind of. And have you guys have done the enneagram stuff? That you know, I'm an eight, so my my job is to like question, 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 question. My job, my my innate right. <laughs> design from God. Um, and so it kind of comes to that. You know, I love coming in and know, like on the MCC or the gym, coming in I'm like, well, why isn't this? the best it can be, or, or is it the best it can be? If not, why not? What can we do to change that? So I've um, I, I really enjoyed that, and I think that, I'm, for better or worse, I do that in, in my business as well. You know, right. I've done that with the MCC right. some, and it makes the employees
0: crazy sometimes. But
3: you know. <laughs> 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 but as long as we're making progress, maybe yeah.
1: the, overall they're,
0: well, they're good with it.
1: Moving forward.
0: Well, from the uh, MCC perspective, um, what's uh, what's the uh, I don't know the best way, but just where do you see people like using their gifts? Are you able to see um, like a, a ministry that needs attention, and you're able to see people from the church fill into that, or like how are you seeing people in the church kind of engaging in various ministries, or or, or are you? Seeing that on that level, well, I don't think I am,
3: and and I'm not sure that we've been able to do that in the past. But I think we're growing towards that as okay. uh, with the committees. And I mean, you were just on the MCC and know, you know, kind of how this has grown and changed. And so, if, you know, if you guys have perspective on that, y- y'all might be more involved. But I think having Dwayne on, you know, having all the staff in place like we have now, I think we're going to see that a lot more um, okay.
0: in the not too distant future. I don't know. Well, well, I, no, I, I think that's just an ongoing activity is you know getting people into into their roles where they're using their appropriate gifts and things like that. Um, I guess my last question, and then if anybody else has questions, feel free to jump in. But, um, what, what does the MCC? What do you or on behalf of the MCC like? Are there ways that the church can be supportive? Are there things that you wish the church would do? Um, differently or do you feel or maybe maybe you feel like the MCC is well supported by the church already or what, what's kind of your feel about the relationship between the MCC group and the, and the church at large I think that's a good one was that on the list because I don't remember I, that one I may have made that one <laughs> <all the answer.
3: laughs> uh, let's see that's interesting well, yeah. um, I think we're I mean I think the support issue is not a big deal um, I think we're we're members too, and you know we yeah. all. Um, uh, I think there's some. I think there's some misconceptions that often seem to um, kind of be pervasive that I think it's difficult um, for us to communicate about. Okay. And so probably what I would love is if we had more communication on some of those mm-hmm. issues, um, because I think some of them are. Um, I think they're detrimental to. To what we as a body want to do and in particular um, I think we don't talk about money enough I think that um, I think we as a as a we talk about so many other things and it's funny this morning did you guys go to first service when Josh was talking about the one thing we don't talk about mm-hmm. mine was you, money you and in particular and, and I was thinking greed but it's not just mm-hmm. it's not just greed, is just a healthy relationship with money that seems so personal, like, we don't say, um, it's, you know, we all feel like it's my money, and like, who are you to tell me it's my money? But I think a a better perspective was if we talked about it like it's God's money, and I've been entrusted with it, you know, I mean, I don't do a good job of it. I was looking at a new truck yesterday. I have a perfectly fine truck, but I'm probably gonna buy a new truck. I wanna say like, I, I get that this is a complicated place to be as a Christian in America, trying to to uh, you know do something different than the culture that we find ourselves in. So I'm, it's not that it's not complicated. Um, but sometimes when I hear older, wiser members talk about money and, and what they've seen, like their experience about how Experiencing radical generosity, and um, and understanding that like um, that a discipline of you know you, we're going to grow with that with anything right whether it's prayer or meditation or any of these things being like learning the discipline of giving will will do more for me than it will ever do for this church for the
0: people that get that money or any of that and I I wish we talked about that more. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like you said, it feels like it's something personal that you're not, it's not a social uh, etiquette that you talk about that. When, uh, I lived in West Texas for a while, and um, there was a guy at church that, you know, like an old ranch guy, um, and I knew he had a big ranch, and, and I was just interested in that, I thought that was cool, and I asked him one time how many acres he had, and somebody, later, I don't know if he told me or not, but later somebody pulled me aside and was like, You don't really ask people how much acreage they have in West Texas. That's like asking somebody how much money do they have in their bank account. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, (laughs) I do not know. But it's just one of those social things.
1: But Um, Would it it not be, maybe advantageous, maybe that's not the right word. It seems like we wait until the end of the year when it's about time for new budget to come about and we save? this year we're this far down and i know a lot of people make up at the end of the year mm-hmm. but would it not be advantageous maybe quarterly to say this is where we are financially as far as the budget is concerned just to kind of bring people up to speed on that instead of waiting until december or i think that'd be great november <laughs> or whatever to no, but it's like Absolutely we don't talk about it. Yeah, that's why I don't talk about it. And I mean, the reality is, and we've had this discussion in our meetings, is we are told to give. And for some reason, I feel like we're scared to just, to say, I mean, this isn't a great issue. This is, we are told to give. Just like we're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to fill in the blank. I don't know. It's, you're right. It's like we're scared to tell people this is a discipline that we're told to do, and we need to we need to examine our ourselves and our our attitudes about it and what we're giving. Um, Absolutely. Well,
3: were yeah, y'all that's here? A great were y'all in service last week when uh, Ed Boyd did the the giving part of the communion? I wasn't there. We were at MCC meeting. But <laughs> um, I, you know, I think one thing we've asked is. Uh, someone pointed out this one day cracked me up uh, we're in a meeting talking about money and you know how maybe the church is um, you know we're struggling and someone goes I've, I've been averaging the time that we give for uh, the offering hmm. and it's about 45 seconds and sometimes we even sing during while we're passing the plate, Like, like do you really think we can give 45 seconds to this and have anyone in that room think it's important?
2: Can we say who that person was? Are you intentionally not? No, oh, Ke- Kevin that Colbert. Yeah, it was Kevin Colbett. and you know he, he's he's oh. so funny
3: about it too. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's really cracks me up. Well, but we're
2: allotted more than that, but nobody uses it.
3: It's hard. Yeah. So um, we want to do more. You know, here's the conundrum, right? Like, uh, how do you talk about it more so that it's generally well received? But if you get too far into the weeds, where, yeah. uh, like you know, bring up a spreadsheet, I'm like, well, look at this, guys, you know, then half the people fall asleep, and so you're, you know, one year we we put out the whole budget where anyone could see anything, you know, pretty much, and I think one person showed up to that that meeting Didn't we like one person out of like 1,400 people came to see what the details of the budget. Um, so, did you guys see the year end thing they did this year with? It had some stories and some graphics and all that, so that was kind of like, well, where's a happy medium where we, you know, we want to inform our church about how much we did with, with you know, all the money that everyone gave and how much people benefited and all that. So I think we've, we're trying, but I, I would love to see that, too. And that's, yes. It's up to date, thing, like maybe once a quarter or something yeah. like that. I think that's great. You know, people, almost regardless of what we say, people will wait until you're in to give. Right,
2: Say or even just a, a picture during the offering time of like we have a budget line item for this. This is a, this is what this means. Like this is a life that it touches, and this is something that, that, that. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be great. We've
1: actually talked about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like having some the members actually do the giving portion and
2: talk about the in, ministry. And then Boyd yeah. last um, week was
3: a, was a step towards that. Mm-hmm. And, um, we did we did the makeup Sunday this past year. We'll do that again this year, and that's always just part of it. Um, you know, and I think I think people try to be careful because with the building stories thing on yeah. top of mm-hmm. the regular, it, it's almost like you don't want to ask so much that people get weary of it. But but I do think we should. Um, it's easy for me to say because I'm on this side of it, but um, I would love for us to be more willing to, as a body, grow in that way. Mm-hmm. But there's other ways that I'm unwilling to grow, and maybe someone hasn't challenged me. I mean, right,
1: right. it's just the one thing that I'm aware of. I mean, we know we know that the building, the, the new building, has been paid for. So I mean, that's that's right. Where all the money's going so, towards debt now? Okay, so tell us, you know, how much debt's left now? After you know, where are we in that in the debt reduction part of it? We're I, mean, I don't old. need you to do yeah, that yeah. right now, but.
3: Oh yeah, that'd no, be a great thing to be communicated, yeah, yeah. And and I don't know if you guys know, but when it's paid off, we should have about a half a million dollars a year surplus to do new things with. And I was just telling her, that might mean we need an elevator into the gym because you know, people yeah, with disabilities can't get into the gym unless they walk around the building. You know, so while I would love for it to be, you know, orphanages and all that, it, some of it hopefully will go to that then stuff, but some of it might be we need a new roof. And but we guess what we don't have to borrow money to put on a new roof. And that's gonna feel great to be. Uh, being debt-free, sure. that's it's gonna be crazy. True. And you know, we hear people talk about being at churches that, that do achieve
0: that, and what mm-hmm. a what a big deal that is for the body. Yeah, it mm-hmm. up all kinds of options. Well, these are the things that uh, a church has to wrestle with. And you can't get 1,600 people in a room and have that kind of conversation. i sorry. I've got yep. to go get kids. My wife is
3: teaching and That's fine. I'll, I'll go be that go guy who leaves his kids. Go
0: I'm them. sorry. <laughs> we're we talking up. about you. <laughs> Thank you guys so, for uh, letting you. me. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, Lance, appreciate it. Right. Um, so it's great that uh, people in the church family have the gifts of discernment and wisdom to be able to, to be able to <laughs> do that. And, and, and just the willingness to sit in meetings that may not be especially exciting. Okay. All right. Well, let's all go serve and kids, whatever. Thanks for being here. <laughs>